Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. You know, there are some Sundays where I have no idea what's going to exactly happen. I woke up this morning and I kind of thought I had a plan of what we would do this morning and how it would go. And whose pen do I have? Uh, okay. I don't want to be a thief in the house of God. You, you know, and I, and, I, and I pray and I always pray about the service and I don't care about the order that we have. I'll f- try to follow the Holy Spirit. And this morning, nothing went right, and nothing seemed to go right, and I'm just like, okay, fine. I'm just going to kind of wing it a little bit, and I changed the order of where we did baptism and so forth, and even in preaching, and I believe that God has established a short word that I'm going to give to you this morning. When George came up and gave you the scripture, and I'm going to kind of springboard off that for just a moment. Here's the word of God for this house this morning. Fix your eyes. Fix your eyes on Jesus. All right, and you heard that George read the scripture out of Luke. I want to take you to a scripture in um, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses that surround us, and the writer had just written about all the men and women of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 Gideon, Barak, Jephthah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, all these great heroes of faith. How many of you know they were men and women just like you and I? How I many of the same faith that they operated in and lived in is the same faith that's available to you and I today? And, and so off of that scripture, the writer then began chapter 12. And he said, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And how do I run that race? He said, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so you'll not grow weary and lose heart. Come on, how many know there's things in life that will cause you to grow weary? How many know there are things that will cause you to lose heart? Anybody ever get weary of hearing some of the things that happen in our world? Anybody ever lose heart about things that have happened in your life? These things are things that can grab your attention. These are things that can cause you to get sidetracked and shipwrecked. We can only run a race if we lock our eyes in this fixed location that is Jesus. You see, in the ancient Greek, and looking under Jesus uses a verb that implies a definite looking away from other things and present looking unto Jesus. I've got to tell you something this morning. I cannot stare at George Bell and Peter Jowdry at the same time. I'm looking at George, but I cannot see Peter. And some of you, I want to tell you what the Lord is saying this morning. For some of us this morning, you can't see the Lord because you're trying to look at two places at at the same time. Now you're trying to look at two different places at the same time. The Lord says this morning, it's time to take your eyes off your problem and put them on Jesus. It's time to take your eyes off your pain and put it on Jesus. It's time to take your eyes off your situation and put it on Jesus. I'm just going to tell you this morning that I can testify to you, and you know I can testify to you, Don can, Jamie can, others of you in here can, that you have things that happen in your life and situations that happen and circumstances that you can end up the rest of your life fixing your eyes on those things, that you can be viewing what happened to you. You can be a victim of what happened to you the rest of your life. And when you play a victim the rest of your life, you're putting your eye upon what happened to you rather than the one who can heal you. You see, this morning, when you're putting your eyes anywhere but Jesus, you're putting your eyes on the sub-attendant, the attendant, the sub. It's time to look away from, for some this morning, 
It's time you look away from the news and start putting your eyes on Jesus. Fox has got you messed up. CNN has got you messed up. The paper's got you messed up. The New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, whatever you want. It's got your eyes messed up. God says, look away, look unto Jesus. It's time to look away from the drama of Facebook and the peace of Jesus. It's an amazing thing how drama just churns constantly now. Social media causes drama to churn on a 24-7 basis. I mean, you know, I, I was telling, one time I was talking about when we were in youth group 427 years ago. <laughs> and we were in high school. And we were, you know, you, you got in an argument with somebody, you went home, and you didn't have to worry about it until the next time you saw them. If it happened on a Friday, you were good till Monday. Well, not now. No, 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 no. We, we're we're going to post it. We're going to snap it. We're going to tweet it. We're going to stir it 24-7. And there's no peace and there's no rest. It's time to look away from the up and down economic pictures of our world to the stability of Jesus, to look away from the volatility of world events to the certainty of Jesus. The world may be volatile, but how many know Jesus is fixed? The world may be volatile, but Jesus is fixed. It's time to look away from the past and fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, you can't, it's hard to run a race with your eyes on the fellow competitor. Time to get your eyes off each other. How, how many know you can watch somebody so long you actually get discouraged in your own run? Hmm? Like, like, like if I'm going to go out and I'm going to go for a run, there are some people I don't want to run with. Why? Because they make me want to quit. They discourage me. Then there's other people I look at and say, I like running with them. <laughs> yeah, I want to I, I run against Harry. <laughs> Listen, I love Harry, but Harry's 80-some years old with arthritis. I can beat Harry. <laughs> That's not a knock on Harry. The point is that in the body of Christ, sometimes we're so fixed on each other that it can discourage us. It can cause us to want to quit. It can cause us to view ourselves in a way we shouldn't view ourselves. That all of a sudden, I'm feeling a little good about myself because of you. That's never what Jesus wants. We fix your eyes on him. It's time to get our eyes off your sin and get them on the one who paid for the sin. It's time to get your eyes off your children and get them on the one who died for your children. How many know you can be so fixed on your children you'll miss Jesus? Jesus is more important than your children. Ouch. He just is. The truth is, as many of you in this room know, there's a lot of people in here know it, that you can have them one day and they're gone the next day. But Jesus still remains. That's a fact. I'm not saying that we stick our head in the sand and pretend that the good and bad and the ugly don't exist because they do exist. But I gotta fix my eyes on Jesus, folks. I gotta fix my eyes on him. You're saying if he didn't know he was gonna preach this, how did he have a note? Because I went in and printed them. Because I had this from about three years ago. And when George pick up spoke, I thought I'm gonna share that word today. You see, you will become what you fix your eyes on. What you fix your eyes on, you will become. If you fix your eyes on the evil in this world, it will cause you to miss the one who has overcome the world. Sin can cause you to miss the one who paid for your sin. You, you, death can cause you to miss the one who overcame death. You fix your eyes on certain things, that's what you become. 
If you fix your eyes long enough on pornography, how many know eventually you will be operating out of that which you fix your eyes on? You will become what you fix your eyes on. Fix your eyes on a man and you'll become like that man. Fix your eyes on that woman and you might become like that woman on that athlete and you begin to mimic that athlete. Isn't it funny how today's athletes can set the fashion for the younger generation today? Hmm? Remember when, was it, was it Iverson started the sleeve? I don't know which one started the one sleeve. And all of a sudden you look around, everybody's wearing a sleeve. But many, many, many years ago, when Patrick Ewing was in college, Patrick Ewing wore a T-shirt underneath his basketball jersey. Anybody remember that? Did anybody watch basketball then? They didn't even use a peach basket then. But what did, what did people in high school start doing? They started wearing T-shirts underneath their basketball jersey. Why? Because Patrick Ewing was doing it. You, you see, whatever you stare at long enough is what you will ultimately become. And how many know if you want to become like Jesus, maybe we ought to just fix our gaze upon him. All right? Um, think about this. Fix your eyes on the critical, and you will become critical. Fix your eyes on something good, chances are you'll have a good outlook. What do you, what do you want to become? What do, you, what do you want people to see? What do you want people to behold? All right, why am I fixing my eyes on Jesus? Why? The Bible tells me that he's the author of my faith. He's the author of my faith. To the author belongs the contents of the book. The book existed in the heart of the author long before the book was printed. Before that book was ever printed, it was inside the heart of an author. He is the author of my faith. I thank God for lots of prolific authors that we can read. You and I have a plethora of writers and authors who are available to us. But how many of you know, none of them compare to the author of our faith. None of them compare to Jesus. This whole idea, think about this, that he who began a good work in you. Whoa, who began the good work in you? He did. Who was the author of the good work in you? He was. How many know it wasn't your own initiative? It wasn't your own idea. How many know it certainly wasn't the enemy? But God, Jesus, started a work in you. And the scripture tells us what? That he who started a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus. All right? That was comfort to discouraged Christians. Here's the great thing about it. I can look back and say... That what's in me was not begun by me. It was begun by him. And he will perfect, perfect this until that day. That's a wonderful truth of scripture. You see, but here's what happens. How many of you know he started writing the book and somewhere we turned it into an autobiography? That he started writing the book and somewhere we started to take over. You know, Lord, I really don't like the way you're writing this chapter. I think I'll tweak it for you. How many of you ever tried to change? Hmm? I got this, God. You started it, I'll finish it. You started it, I'll add an addendum. The Bible says he's the author and finisher, the perfecter of my faith. He lays the foundation. He's the finishing touch. He lays the footer. He paints the house. He lays the footer. He puts on the decoration. Think about this. How many times, have you, anybody ever 
Let me tell how many of you got the devotional we handed out this week? We handed a devotional, right? Let me see that thing, Peter. You see, it's not a really nice cover on there. This is when you're supposed to say yes. You're going to hurt Pastor Troy's feelings. All right, he's homesick, watching by stream, and, and you should have gave a rousing, yeah, that's awesome, beautiful, just to make him feel better. It's fake news now, Troy. <laughs> all right, he, he, did the, he did a great job on this. And if you look at it, and he does this. All the, all right, let me tell you what happens. All right, the content is mine. I write it. I put it in a little design. I send it to him with a picture and everything else. See, all I do is prime the pump, knowing that he's going to look at it and say, this is terrible. i got to fix this. Yes, worked again. All right, worked again. You see, for Troy and I, I start it, and he perfects it. But the wonderful thing about Jesus is he starts it, and he perfects it. He starts it, and he makes it better. That's what Jesus does, all right? And I don't even have to trick him like I tricked Troy. You see, he's the author and finisher of my faith. Nothing and no one else can be that. The greatest example of faith in the world is Jesus. The greatest illustration of faith is Jesus. We thank God for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but Jesus is the man. We thank God for David. How many of the Bible doesn't say, fix your eyes on David? The Bible doesn't say, fix your eyes upon Paul. The Bible doesn't say, fix your eyes upon Peter. We thank God for them, but the Bible says what? Fix your eyes on Jesus. You see, because here's why. When I fix my eyes on Jesus, I am fixing my eyes on a fixed position, a fixed location. How many know he doesn't change? He does not change. He just doesn't. Everything in this world can be shaken. Tell me something this morning that cannot be shaken. Your finances can be shaken this morning. Your marriage can be shaken this morning. Your house can be shaken this morning. Your job can be shaken this morning. Bombs can go off today. Children can die. Parents can die. Everything can be shaken. Things can be taken away. But there's one fixed position, and that's Jesus. There's a city with a fixed location. There's a throne that's a fixed location. When the earth is raging around you, where do you look? I look to the fixed location, who is Jesus when your health is faltering, you go to the fixed location. The Bible tells us he's what? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I fix my eyes on an unchanging person, Scripture tells me. That he's an unchanging person. You ever been around fickle people? How many have ever been around moody people? Some of you husbands, you just don't even, don't even go there, all right? Like, you know those other people. How many like being around moody people? How many like having to do this sometimes? What mood are they in today? Okay, I guess I gotta watch what I say today because they're in a bad mood. They're in a melancholy mood. They're in a sad mood. Gosh, I hate that stuff. I hate it. 
You don't know what in the world to expect. But man, let me tell you something. The Bible says that Jesus never changes. He is the same every day, every moment, no matter what's happened in your life. You know, the church rallies around a lot of stuff, isn't it? We rally around things that make us angry. I mean, it's time to rally around a person. The one thing that cannot be shaken is the kingdom of God that the Bible says you've entered into. I mean, it's an unshakable kingdom. The one thing that cannot be shaken is the kingdom, the throne, the seat at the right hand. The one who never changes is Jesus. The one who doesn't change like in the economy is Jesus. The one who won't desert you is Jesus. The one who won't abuse you is Jesus. You see, understand something, ladies and gentlemen. We have confidence today. We fix our eyes on the one who never changes, and we fix our eyes upon a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And yet, sometimes we fail to remember that because we fix our eyes on lesser things or lesser ones. And anytime you have your eyes fixed on someone that is not Jesus, you have your eyes fixed on someone who is lesser. Here's why it's important. When I fix my eyes on him who's the fixed location, do you know what the Bible tells me? The Bible tells me that I'm fixing my eyes on the one who has his eye fixed on me. You know what the Bible tells me? The Bible tells me he doesn't sleep or slumber. Okay? Let me say this to you. He sees you. He sees you. He sees your situation. He's not oblivious to what's going on in your life. And as I said to, to Jeannie this morning, and she was doing the in baptism, that even when you don't feel close to him, he's close. I am so glad that my relationship with Jesus is not based on emotions, and yet I have an emotional relationship with Jesus. How many of you have an emotional relationship with your spouse? <laughs> I'm going to talk to this side. <laughs> like, that Tyrone section used to be pretty good. Now they're like, uh, you know, all right. Good Lord, I hope you have an emotional relationship. I hope you laugh together. I hope you cry together. I hope you're passionately in love. For crying out loud, we better have an emotional relationship with each other because if you don't have an emotional relationship with them, you're going to find it somewhere else. God is not afraid of your emotions. And yet, our relationship with him goes beyond our emotions. Because how many know he's the one who gives you joy in the midst of sadness? Isn't that cool how God can do that? You see the wickedness of the world. You get discouraged. You see the injustice in the world. You see the things that aren't fair. I mean, there's lots of things that aren't fair. The Bible says that he has his eyes fixed on me. Because what did the Scripture say? The Scripture says what? That for the joy set before him. Now think about this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Hmm. 
What was the joy set before him? Well, it certainly wasn't the cross. How many of he asked his father to take that away? It certainly wasn't the suffering he was going to endure. I believe the joy set before him was humanity, salvation, souls. Why else would he do it? Why else would he despise the shame of the cross? Why else would he endure the cross? How many of you sacrifice for your kids and it brings you joy? Sure. You see, I'm fixing my eyes on the one who's fixed on me. You know what I know about fixing my eyes on somebody? How many know I can communicate with a person across the room just by fixing my eyes on them? When you know somebody well enough, you can fix your eyes on them across the room, never say a word, and you know what's going on. For example, you know, there are times when I preach, I might once in a while share a little story from Penny and my life. She just loves that. <laughs> Years ago, I was preaching, and I was going to tell this story, and she knew where I was going, and I looked over at her, and she went. <laughs> Which I promptly ignored and went ahead anyhow. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So. You say, what am I saying? I'm saying to you that when you are in a close relationship with somebody and you lock eyes with that person, there is something that transpires out of that that helps you, that communicates. Like I can lock eyes with some of you right now and I know what you're thinking. Some of you are saying, he's such an idiot. Some of you are saying, is he ever going to finish? Lock eyes with the one who's locked on you. He sees your pain, your heartache, your trouble. When you run a race, he knows when you're tired. And guess what he does? He helps you. When you're running a race and your eyes are fixed on him and you're weary, he strengthens you. When you get discouraged, what does he do? He encourages you. Listen to me, I told you a couple weeks ago about one of the most discouraging moments I had. And my God showed up and encouraged me. If I only fixed my eyes on those things that discouraged me, how many of you know I'd have never been encouraged? He knows when you're hungry, you're thirsty, you're lonely in a race. He knows when you're in need of encouragement. He see, the great thing about it is, he sees the things on the path even before you get to those things. Because he's got a view from above. You ever had God warn you about something that's about to come? I have. What happens? Then I run the race and I don't get tripped up. He corrects me when I need corrected. I don't like that part. He fills me when I need filled. They used to tell us, it's always funny when you watch pro sports. You watch pro sports and you see those great athletes do things they never taught you when you were a kid. You, you know, when we were in baseball and you stole second base or whatever, you, you were never to take your eyes off the base because they said it would slow you down. Have you ever watched these guys in the pros? They're always looking at home, <laughs> okay? But the point is, the idea was that you could run faster 
by keeping a fixed gaze upon the base that you were running. And I want to say to you this morning that if you fix your eyes on Jesus, you will run the race more effectively and you'll be able to run it better because your eyes are fixed on him. He's watching. But where are your eyes? Where are your eyes this morning? I, I, I don't know why God changed what he changed this morning. And I don't know why God had George share the word that he shared. And I don't know why I felt compelled to pick up and run with it. Only thing I can, only thing I can figure from all that is that some of us this morning need reminded to put our eyes where they belong. That our eyes have been everywhere on everything and anything. And you've been discouraged. Some of you have been bewildered. Some of you have been, you fill in the blank. You fill in the blank. But I wonder what would happen this morning if we just said, you know what? I'm getting my eyes off of everything else. I watched this. George, I don't know if you saw this guy at the Western Wall. I know some of them did. I think, Joni, you guys might have saw him. He was an old Orthodox Jewish guy with a hat and the robe and all the stuff. And, and he, he, the poor guy could hardly make it through. He was, he was walking with a cane. But every time he would walk near a woman, he'd have to stop and hesitate. And he put his eyes like this because he didn't want to see this woman. Okay? And every, I mean, every time he got close to a woman, like this. And his, and, his gait, and his gait would stop. And he would get slow. Okay? But he was putting the blinders on because he wasn't going to be distracted by those women. May I suggest this morning that some of us need to put some blinders on that cause us to focus on Jesus. That we need to put some blinders on so we stop seeing what's to the right and to the left. How many know when you fix your eyes on Jesus, it will even change what comes out of your mouth? Let me say to you why some of you are negative all the time. If you're a negative all the time, it's because your eyes are not on Jesus because Jesus is not negative. If, you, if, you, if you're critical all the time, you ain't got your eyes on Jesus. If you are pessimistic all the time, you can't have your eyes on Jesus. How many know he will shape what comes out of your mouth? How many know that if you have no faith, you don't have your eyes on Jesus? Because Jesus is faith. You can't have faith if you put your eyes anywhere but Jesus. If you don't have joy this morning, I'm going to tell you why you don't have joy this morning. Because you ain't got your eyes on Jesus. Who's, um, who's coming up and play for me while I quit today? <laughs> Come on, man. You know, I'm going to tell you something. I know. I, yeah, yeah, like you did and you sat down. All right. I'm going to tell you something. I've told you some stuff before, but I just want to say this to you. I want to hit you too. I'm glad somebody rejected you. Yeah? Yeah. Me too. Because you became a gift to us. The word to the house this morning, the word to stream this morning, is get your eyes on Jesus. We thank God for preachers and pastors and speakers and writers and authors and... You know, sometimes I'm not, and I'm not picking on any one person, okay? But sometimes if Ferdick says it's all heaven came down, how I many know long before Ferdick said it, Jesus said it? 
<laughs> oh my gosh, I touched him. I'm not talking about him. I like him. I'm just telling you this morning, long before Charles Stanley said it, Jesus said it. Long before, come on, I want you to get your eyes off men this morning. I want you to get your eyes off women this morning. I want you to get your eyes off celebrities this morning. Nothing wrong with them. Okay, I'm just saying, get your eyes on Jesus this morning. We thank God for them. Thank God for the platform he's given them. But man, man, man. I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll, it'll change your worship. It'll change your countenance. It'll change it. It'll change it, I'm telling you. I saw a lot of great sights the last 10 days. Sites that brought revelation to me, that give me some great understanding of some things. And I thank God for that. But man, I thank God for Jesus. But man, I thank God for Jesus. Because it ain't a building that gives me joy in the midst of my pain. And it's not a preacher that gives me a hope in the midst of despair. It's not a... book that gives me an encouragement in the midst of discouragement. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. I'm so glad for Jesus. I'm reminded of Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, <laughs> that was a devastating day in the kingdom when Uzziah died. He was a great king, great builder, great protector. I believe it was 50 some years he led. The kingdom had been shaken because Uzziah, Uzziah died. But the prophet Isaiah said in the, king, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with his train of his robe filling the temple. Oh, some of you could fill in the blank this morning. Some of you could fill it in this morning. In the year that I lost my job, I saw the Lord. In the year that my wife left me, I saw the Lord. In the year that my son died, I saw the Lord. In the year that I lost it all, I saw the Lord. His position doesn't change by my condition. But my condition will change because of his position. 
Come on, stand with me this morning. Let's make a commitment this morning. Let's make a commitment in our heart this morning that this week we're going to fix our gaze. This week we're going to focus our vision. This week we're going to put our eyes back where they need to be. Father, we thank you this morning for what you're doing in this house. We thank you this morning for hearts that worshiped you. We thank you for lives that are changed. We thank you for people who offered themselves this morning in baptism to you. We thank you for a reminder this morning that tells us where to put our eyes. We say this morning, we see you high and lifted up. We see you on the throne this morning. That's where we're fixing our eyes.